Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right, I tell you what, I've, I've got a great deal of topics here, lots of different trains of thought and avenues to go down. I just kind of briefly want to start off with this. I know that there's a lot going on geopolitically, and I, you know, I, I just wanted people to know that I do pay attention to that kind of stuff, that even though I may not bring it up here on the show all of the time, I certainly am paying attention to it. The stuff in Sudan is very interesting. This, of course, is a giant manufactured taking of sides in a in a war that's going on, of course, behind the scenes. Plenty of people dying, lots of biological weapons now involved. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just going to get really, really interesting going forward because we know that the powers that be in the enemy have a lot of I don't want to use the word distractions, but they have a lot of intentional things that they still have planned for us, and uh, I don't think it's going to be a good thing, but hopefully there are some good guys there behind the scenes doing what they can to prevent particular things from occurring. And we have to continue to operate on that because it would be mathematically impossible that everybody who is involved is bad. There have to be excellent people within particular aspects of agencies and certainly within the military that know exactly what's going on are exposing a great many things, not to mention, of course, the information age that we live in. It's very difficult for the truth to not find its way to the surface here, which is why one of the reasons why I make those war videos and put them out on BitChute and Rumble on my channel, American Education FM. I like to throw a lot of that information in there because you can get it kind of in a in a quicker fashion, so to speak. And if you choose to go down a particular avenue or a wavelength of thought on those issues, then then clearly you can do that. Here, here's where I wanted to start, though, with that aside. You heard me mention in a previous episode, I think, I certainly said it on Gab, that in the last Q post, one of the last words, it is the last word in that particular post, is the word ascension. Now, again, it has multiple meanings. It just so happens, of course, that the Ascension Hospital, which I did bring up in a previous episode, is uh, being criticized, I should say, and, and rightfully so, for, of course, their murder policy in killing individuals who were entering their hospital back in 2021 and 2022 and 2020 who were sick. And, uh, and running through the whole remdesivir protocol, which, of course, was slaughtering everybody who was, who was taking it. It just so happens now that a neurosurgeon who was associated with the Ascension Hospital in Detroit, Michigan, has been murdered. And I wanted to read this briefly. This is from LawnCrime.com. It's titled, Detroit Neurosurgeon Mysteriously Found Shot to Death at Home Over the Weekend. A 53-year-old neurosurgeon was found fatally shot at home over the weekend in Detroit, Michigan, after investigators were called to the residence for a well-being check. A Dr. Devin Allen Hoover, regarded by fellow medical professionals as one of the top neurosurgeons in the area, was found shot to death on Sunday evening. Uh, let's see, the 100 block of West Boston Boulevard for a well-being check. They made entry, observed the 53-year-old Male victim had been fatally shot. No further informa information, rather, is available at this time. Uh, it says, a sense removed, find a doctor page for Hoover on Ascension, Michigan's website. 
said he was a board-certified neurosurgeon and had a special interest in the treatment of neck and back disorders. Further down in the article, then, it says Ascension Michigan said in a statement that Hoover was dedicated and well-respected member of the Ascension Michigan family and will be greatly missed by our community. Our serious condolences and blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you what, um, what, what neck doctor and neurosurgeon gets shot to death in his home and no one seems to know why. There are no clues around. This seems suspicious. Is it possible it was just a break-in from a hoodlum and, you know, doing whatever it is that they do? Probably. I mean, that could be the case. But is it possible that this is a hit of some kind? I don't know. Again, I watch Amazing Polly with regularity. I never miss a show of hers. It would be interesting to see again if someone would do a deep dive on Ascension Hospitals. We know what they've done in the past. We know what their policies have been, forcing the jabs, I'm sure, among all of their employees. And again, the whole remdesivir patient protocol, which killed copious amounts of people. But now one of your neurosurgeons uh, is shot to death in his home and, well, sorry for the condolences and uh, our condolences go out to the family and that's all we're going to say here at Ascension, Michigan. This is a problem. I, I think something else is here. Again, it stinks. To me, it just stinks. What did this guy know? What was his involvement? Um, was he going to blow the whistle on somebody at Ascension? I have no idea, but we, we may never know. The, the point is, is that there need to be more eyes on Ascension and I'd love to see Amazing Polly do a deep dive on it or somebody else who again, maybe has the time or, uh, or the knowledge on the subject or wants to learn more. But these people associated with Ascension keep popping up in a very negative light. It's, it's just remarkably suspicious. So I wanted to just kind of mention that from the, from the top here. Okay, here's the next thing. I want to read this, and I like articles like this. I, I would normally end an episode maybe with, with an article like this, but I want to kick this off because this is geopolitical, and it has to do with the entire war that we are in and the whole landscape. And again, it's from a lesser-known website and a lesser-known author, and I think that that matters too. So let me get into it here. This is from theburningplatform.com, and here's what it's titled. This was written on April 25th. It's titled, It's Inevitable. American Patriots Need Guns Because a War is Coming. It says the following, quote, and by the way, this is written by, submitted by CC writer, guest post by Brandon Smith. Okay. It says the following, quote, Should the actions of a handful of criminals be used as an excuse to take away the rights of millions of innocent people? Any reasonable person would say no, but when it comes to gun-related violence, the standards of logic tend to go out the window. There are many government officials that view each major shooting as a gift. They believe that tragedies are political capital, a tool for leveraging away our freedoms. In many cases of mass murder in the United States, the first inclination of the corporate media and the political left has been to rush to conclusions. 
They immediately blame conservative political motivations for the attacks, while also blaming our Second Amendment right in general. If the shooter turns out to be anti-conservative or doesn't fit the racial mold, they simply stop reporting the story. The agenda is obvious, and to paint conservative men as a dangerous monolith plaguing the rest of society. Why do they pursue, why do they pursue this particular narrative, though? Perhaps because, statistically speaking, conservative and libertarian men are the predominant group keeping authoritarians at bay. The government attacks us because they are afraid of us, and they are afraid of us for a reason. It's not about what we are doing. It's about what we could do if they cross that line into accelerated tyranny, and this is on the verge of happening. We came within a razor's edge of war during the COVID mandates. If Biden had got what he wanted with the vaccine passport executive order, the country would have erupted into conflict. Many Americans have no clue how close we, how close we were. Understand that no country, including the U.S., is immune to rebellion, and such events tend to escalate quickly. Leftists often envision their own rebellion as a sort of modern French revolution in which mobs march the streets and rule the day as heads roll in the town square. They believe their righteousness, quote-unquote, is a shield from harm. But this kind of mob intimidation only works within societies that still respect the rule of law. Leftist insurgencies use a nation's freedom and laws against them by saying, quote, you can't touch us because your principles prevent you, unquote. U.S. patriots have no such delusions. We know that when it comes to corrupt governments, principles and the rule of law go out the window very quickly if their power is legitimately threatened. Leftists can exploit mob actions, invade government buildings, and burn cities to the ground because the government allows them to. When do we do the same thing? Well, how many years now have we heard the word insurrection over a single protest on January 6th of 2021? The strategies of the leftists cannot be our strategies because government protections apply to them and not us. This double standard is leaving constitutional Americans with few options, and the hypocrisy is getting worse by the day. As I write this, Joe Biden is calling for an assault weapons ban over a shooting perpetuated by a transgender lunatic acting on her political motivations. Of course, joke is on the writer. That didn't happen. This, too, of course, is one of the things that William Cooper talked about with regularity. All they have to do is fake these shootings. That's all they have to do. All they have to do is fake them. They use the media apparatus then to tell people it's real. They use government to tell people it's real. And they can't both be lying, can they? So then people just blindly believe it. That will, of course, lead to another subject I have to discuss later, which, uh, which has to do with the, the, the fake shooting drills and these shooting drills that exist within schools, that this is part of the problem. This, this perpetuates the lie. So anyway, they continued. They said, we, use, we used to call that terrorism. Instead, the White House is throwing their full support behind trans activist movements and blaming firearms for the deaths instead of the shooter's twisted beliefs. Again, they're wrong about what occurred in Nashville. Anyway, it continues. It says numerous mass murder events have been perpetuated by people indoctrinated into the leftist fold. 
I would usually be the first to look at the psychological triggers for a shooter rather than pure political motivation. But more and more, it appears that the political left is creating the very monsters we now see targeting specific groups. And in each scenario, the media argues that these tragedies were still caused by conservative policies. For example, the Daryl Brooks incident regarding the uh, running over countless people, which they, which they reference. I'm just going to skip through this kind of quickly. They bring up Kyle Rittenhouse. Anderson Aldrich entered a gay club in Colorado Springs called Club Q and open fired. Again, there's no proof of that as far as I know either. They said then there was the recent mass shooting in Nashville. They bring that up too. Of course, that didn't happen. Joke's on them. The reason I'm reading this is because they they mention an interesting point overall, which is when is enough enough? When do people decide? to do something else instead of just going along with the media narrative. Because unfortunately, again, for this article and for this author, they too are going along with the media narrative and they don't even know it. Again, that's just another dimension of thinking that unfortunately exists that people have got to, you know, they have to break through. In fact, before I continue to read this, you, you probably have seen that meme where on the left-hand side, it's a series of like four or five or six boxes. And on the right-hand side, it shows sort of an x-ray of a person's brain. You know, it's very small in the one that's in the upper right-hand corner, and then the next one, their brain is bigger, and it has more electricity flowing through it, and then the next one is even bigger, and you can see the person ascending mentally. As particular messages, of course, are right next to the picture of the brain on the left-hand side. The dimension that people have got to reach is that even in an article like this, again, the person's well-intended and they, they raise excellent points by, of course, highlighting the media enemy and the political enemies that exist on both sides. But the dimension that people have to reach is, is that many of these attacks, quote-unquote, are manufactured, that they, again, just do not happen, and that manipulation on its own is a tactic that is consistently used in order to get people to do things that government wants them to do. The, the lists are endless. The examples are endless. Again, the, the, the mask wearing, the jab taking, for example. The article that I read, the abstract for, in the, in the last episode regarding the poisonous nature of mask wearing, that right there should be thrown in the face of anybody and everybody who forced the masks. It's a perfect example of an article that you should email anybody or take it to city council meetings or school board meetings and say, you all poisoned people just because government told you. Well, the proof is right here that you poisoned people, so now what? Where's our apology? Of course, you're not going to get one, but that right there is the slippery slope, and, and that's really the dimension of thinking that countless people still not, still are not arriving at which, again, brings forth the proposal, or I, I would say certainly the philosophy that this individual is basically saying. How much, you know, when is enough enough, essentially? What has to happen in order for people to ultimately wake up? Because you've heard me say, fixing this problem from the bottom up isn't necessarily going to be the way that this gets done. A couple more rants here I have real quick. 
Stu Peters, for example, is one of those individuals. And, you know, I, I criticize him, but I watch his show too, because it's remarkably informative. And one of the things that he consistently says is, is that we have to get sheriffs on board. We have to get local, local people on board. We have to wake, we have to wake them up. You know, th- that's not working by and large. You have to start hanging people that everybody in the country knows for the crimes that they've committed. That will start to wake up people. Oh, remember that guy, uh, that Dr. Fauci person, or remember that other person, that w- Rochelle Walensky, or remember that other person that was always on TV that told you to do these things? They're dead now because they pushed forth deadly policies that killed copious amounts of people. So they're either in jail or they're dead. They were tried, they were convicted, they were executed. What say you? And then the, lo- the individuals at the local level, we know what they'll do. They'll ignore it. They'll turn their back on it. They won't make public comments about it. Memos will go out saying, don't bring this up. But that's really where, again, the tables will turn on them. And I think that that really is where the public is going to start showing up regarding this COVID lie. We can't bury it is my overall point. We cannot, we cannot let this slide. We cannot let this just go away into the ether as, well, it was a terrible mistake and, you know, things happened and we've learned from the past. So let's just, let's just let it slide. We cannot let this slide. And I think that's what this individual is saying. They're saying it's, it's media attacks in this article. They're saying the anti-gun rhetoric that consistently occurs is for one reason and one reason only. They want us disarmed so that they can kill us. And by they, I mean government. They've written about this. This is in endless books. I mean, they say it, essentially. How dare you interpret the Second Amendment as defending yourself against government? It can't get clearer in the Constitution. It cannot be clearer. So it says this. The author continues. He says, The problem is not guns, nor is it conservatives. Conservative towns are some of the safest places in America for the exact reason that there are guns everywhere in the hands of law-abiding citizens. What the stats show is a trend that directly relates to a particular ideology, the leftist ideology, and by extension, globalism. It's worse than that, but I understand what they're saying. They say without leftists and leftist policies, crime would plummet in the United States. That's true. The more leftist extremism and globalism spreads, the worse things get from generation to generation. The inevitable outcome is war. To be sure, there are peaceful means to delay conflict, such as separation or national divorce. This is already happening. Millions of Americans tired of leftist policies, taxes, mandates, bureaucracy, crime, and cultism have left blue cities and blue states, and many millions more who have the means will leave in the near future. There will come a point, however, when leftists and establishment elites will try to stop this separation from continuing. If they let people leave and then have to admit their ideology is failing, and that's not an option for them. They will extort Americans into the society they want. History shows us that when a population is disarmed, the worst atrocities unfold. The Soviet purge of millions of citizens through gun confiscation and then food confiscation. 
is just one example that people should study before joining any anti-gun bandwagon. One can easily see where this is going. The establishment will try to use force to make us submit to their system, and we will not let them. That's when the shooting starts. If we consider the problem from this perspective, it makes perfect sense that these people are rabidly chasing after gun bans today. They know a war is about to happen because they know they are about to start one. And they know there is a chance they will lose the fight should Americans remain armed. They're afraid for a reason. They're afraid of losing. Unquote. And he's 100% right, I think. Again, he's wrong when he says that conservatives aren't the problem. They most certainly are the problem. And they're the problem, too, because it's just a title. Conservative, again, allegedly means that they are conservative with money. So they think. Or that they are conservative when it comes to government control. Again, they're two fingers on the exact same hand, as we know, all, all political parties. The larger issue is, is again, what are they doing on a constant basis to chip away at all of our freedoms so that ultimately they can both have control over us? That's really all they're doing, in my opinion, regarding both political sides. They're consistently doing it. Again, red flag laws are one example. And then, of course, there's the most recent law that uh, Governor DeSantis has signed in Florida, which is now you're not allowed to produce, I should say, any documentation of any kind on private property or distribute it on private property that brings about anti-Semitism or fear or any perceived threat of harm. You see, it only needs to be a perception now. Now we're down to people's feelings. If someone's feelings get hurt or someone is misinterpreting facts and they view it as a personal attack or a slight to someone or a group of people, that that's now illegal in the state of Florida. It seems like it's completely illegal, frankly, that passing such a bill would be completely illegal. Because again, they're making education illegal. In essence, if they're saying that a person or a group of people are holding particular positions and are behind particular agendas, why is that illegal? Why is distributing such information illegal? Take the anti-Semitism, I'm using finger quotes because that's a made-up phrase, by Wilhelm Marr, if you're interested in looking him up. Uh, he created the phrase and then, you know, got mad that he lost his job and said, well, it was because I was Jewish. And then all of a sudden he started writing about it and he perpetuated the use of the term, which I believe was created by a mentor of his, someone that he looked up to who was older than him. Point is, is it's completely made up. But if the tables are turned in another way, wh when does that become an issue? When does that become illegal? If someone brings up any other race and statistics associated with any other race, is that now going to be something that's going to be passed in the Florida House, the Florida Senate, and then signed by DeSantis in Jerusalem like this last one was? Then what? 
How about gun violence crimes and gun violence flyers? And those flyers start finding their way on the front porches of individuals' houses. Then what? I don't even like the phrase gun violence. There's no such thing. There's just people who use guns in crimes. What about hammer violence? What about knife violence? You know, all of these <laughs> all of these particular slogans that are used. What if all of this shows up in the form of a flyer and then finds its way on a front porch of an individual in order to educate said individual? That that's not a crime. They're criminalizing free speech one step at a time. It's conservatives, quote unquote, and Democrats, quote unquote, but more importantly, it's the Satanists who control both of them. It's the funders, it's the money holders, it's the money lenders. These are the people that are perpetuating all of these crimes and, and making these inroads. And they're making these inroads again without having to fire a shot. That's exactly what Lenin said. Same thing, same approach. So it is a conservative problem to wrap up that article. It is. And there's another larger problem, which actually ties directly into this next thing that I wanted to bring up, which is Amazing Polly's last video. Her last video is exquisite, and you need to go watch it. I highly recommend it. In fact, everybody should watch it. She breaks down the connections between the conservative Inc. crowd and where they get their funding and where they get their money and how they are arguably one of the largest snakes that exists in this entire media apparatus. They're all connected, and they're not in it to really point the finger at who's really to blame or bring up the real issues and the real problems. They are there to just perpetuate the talking points and then scream at the top of their lungs that they are the alternative to Fox News. We're not the mainstream media. We're not Fox News. Yes, we go on their programs and their shows, although we might go on them less and less as time goes on now that Tucker's not on anymore. Boo-hoo. But come and listen to us because we're the ones that have the answers to all your problems. They are the enemy. And Polly brings this up exquisitely. And she's right. They are. I saw the other day again. Candace Owens has her own talk show and, and sort of her own, I sit at a table and I say things that I want and blah, blah, blah. The things that she brings up are not important in the slightest. She, she doesn't bring up anything of any substance. But she makes money hand over fist. Why? She used to be a staunch Democrat. She used to attack white people constantly before she was allegedly red-pilled. and then. She became this, I don't know, sort of the, uh, whatever you would call it, the, the token young female who happens to be black who is now a conservative. And then people pounced on that and said, well, you know, that's our, that's our, our, our money getter right there. That's going to be our cash cow and we're going to use her for that. And she's going to like it because we're going to give her all this attention and she's going to enjoy all that attention. And she has. Look what she's done with it. But she's irrelevant, and, and, it's the, and it's the people like that who are working for that kind of a machine that are the real problem. They have no idea what's really going on. They're not talking about the shots. They're not talking about the globalism and, and the attack on innocent human beings for the interest of depopulation. That's not being brought up by them, which means what? It means, again, that they're a part of the problem.
They're in on it. And if they're in on it to not talk about particular things because of money, well, then there you go. Look at Dennis Prager, for example. Dennis Prager, I'm not a fan of his either. Dennis Prager came out with an article defending pornography the other day. Josiah Richwine sent that to me. Anybody can go look that up. He, he, he brought it up. Now, again, I don't trust someone who writes a giant book series about the Bible and about Jesus Christ who happens to be an Orthodox Jew. That's an interesting, you know, that's an interesting thing to write about. Is he trying to rewrite real history? Probably. I mean, he's defending pornography. And I believe he said something to the tune of, among countless other things, but he said something like, pornography needs to continue to exist because it's an alternative to adultery. That it allows married men to not cheat on their wives. Something absurd like that. This is Dennis Prager, ladies and gentlemen, in a nutshell. That's his, that's his wavelength of thought. He's an idiot. But he would lead you to believe, again, that he's a very important conservative voice. No, he's not. He, he toes the line. He does what he's told. He knows that if he speaks out of line, his money goes away. And that's, that's the end of it. So I would say this sort of in, uh, in conclusion and metaphorically speaking. What we are watching when it comes to all of these media attacks on innocent human beings like ourselves, who can actually see the landscape for what it is and have no problem calling out the real enemy regardless of what alleged political side they sit on or aisle that they sit on. Essentially, just imagine a scale that's in front of you, not one that you stand on, but one of those weighted scales where you're weighing something out and it tips in one side or it tips the other way. On one side of the scale, you have the conservative Inc. agenda and all of that. They're claiming that they're on the right side of history and they have it figured out and follow us because we know what's going on and we protect America and we're conservatives and blah, blah, blah. And on the right side of the scale, you have, of course, the Bolsheviks and the Marxists and all of them and what they do, which is complete destruction, of course, of themselves and then everybody else because. As you know, they want everybody to be as miserable as they are. The problem is the scale. Yes, it's both, both groups of individuals that are on it, but they're controlling the messages with these scales. And people are just looking at it and believing it and playing that scale game, that back and forth game. I think that continues to be a problem. Because again, let me use Florida as a quick example just to wrap up and bring this right into education. This is from Natural News. I'm just going to read the title. It's titled, Florida Law Limits Instruction on Gender Identity and Sexual Orientation Indoctrination in Public Schools. And then, on the other hand, you have Ron DeSantis signing a law that says, you cannot throw flyers that inform people about certain individuals and groups of people and their ties to one another from from your automobile or in a baggie onto a person's lawn 
as again information or a leaflet or awareness of some of some issue that you that you're not allowed to do that because quote unquote if it happens to do with anyone who's Jewish then it's anti-semitic and we can't stand for that because it's a borderline quote unquote hate crime this is the scale that i'm talking about they do that on one end as conservatives but then on another end on conservatives they do something like this limiting instruction in the classroom about gender identity well, what's the limits? What are the particular limits? My point is, too, is it's all a game. They give, they give a little to some people, and then they take a lot from others. Now, someone would argue and say, well, Sean, talking about gender identity and sexual orientation in the classroom is free speech, too, and that should be allowed. No. No, it shouldn't be. Look where it's gotten us. That's the slippery slope within that environment regarding children. And both sides of the political aisle are allowing it to take place because it could be eliminated overnight, couldn't it? But it isn't. These are issues and problems that could be eliminated by the so-called conservatives in an instant. But it won't be. It'll be drug out as long as it has to in order to infect as many people as humanly possible with these terrible ideologies and these perverse and degenerate ways of thinking, and normalized as much as possible, just like Dennis Prager. So it ties directly back into the article that I just read. Because again, when is enough enough? When, when are the people of this country going to figure out that this is a slow, methodical strategy to kill us, to disarm us, to isolate us, 15-minute cities, all that stuff, F you know, destroying food plants, raising prices, all of, this, uh, all of these are giant intentionals. And they're all giant intentionals designed for the purpose of depopulation. When is enough going to be enough? When is the line going to be crossed where, where, where something else happens? I don't necessarily know what that something else is, but it has to be, as you've heard me say in the past, and it's been said before by countless individuals, it's an unprecedented time, and an unprecedented time has to require an unprecedented result and an unprecedented action. I don't know what that's going to be. I have no idea. But it can't be the same old, same old. We can't keep kicking this can down the road with conservative ink taking advantage of people, and then the Bolsheviks over here ruining people. Both sides are ruining people. And countless people are being tricked by both sides on a constant basis, because they all think that they're on the right side of history, and they're both wrong. This is where it ties directly into education. Take the topic of education now, in particular in the media. What's the one thing that the media always does when it comes to the topic of education? They sensationalize it, don't they? They always sensationalize it. They never provide any solution. You'll never see homeschoolers talking about homeschooling on the mainstream media. Why? Because sensationalizing the degeneracy of American K-12 education. Again, imagine the scale. For example, on one side, they have to sensationalize all of that, all that degeneracy and all that illegality and what's wrong with our schools. And they have all these segments 
on these news channels talking about how broken the school system is, and yet on the other side of the scale, they have to do whatever they can do to balance the scale and, and keep whatever education stories on the other side of the proverbial scale as much as they can, because if they stop sensationalizing some of the illegality and some of the degeneracy within education, they'll lose money. Imagine a media outlet never being able to bring up an American public school story ever again on their news channels. They'll lose money. They'll lose viewership. They have to maintain that, which means what do they have to maintain? They have to maintain the American public school system. As corrupt as it is, as degenerate as it is, that's really what they're doing. Yes, you know, they are like the Fox News, for example. They are, when they bring up particular stories about degenerate things that occur in American education, they do convince people, whether it's intentional or unintentional, they are convincing people to go the other way, to leave the school system. Well, we interviewed an an angry parent who uh, sent their kid to school and something terrible happened. Well, you know, what's your solution and blah, blah, blah. Well, thank you for being on and have a nice day. The station will never, the channel, Fox News or any of them, any of the other ones, they will never provide the solution to an audience because that means that they have to stop talking about the very thing that they're profiting from. So what they're doing again is they're, they're perpetuating the system and perpetuating these issues with these institutions. And then at the exact same time, bringing up the occasional positive thing that happens within these institutions to make it look like, oh, look, it's not everywhere. These institutions have to be saved. They have to be fixed. They have to be repaired. They can still exist. When in fact, the middle way and the the 40,000 foot view look at things is that no, it all has to be destroyed. All of it. The education system, the media apparatus, all of it, it's all designed to program people to keep them in the pigeonholes that they are in and to never get out. We'll talk about some good things in education, and then we'll talk about some bad things in education. We'll talk about some good things over here and some bad things over here. That's the scale. That's the constant back and forth, the up and down. They have to maintain that as much as they can. Because again, that's the invisible prison. That's the invisible prison. The scale needs to be tipped over. It needs to be destroyed, and it can never come back. I have endless examples here that I want to read to you as to why education cannot be fixed. You cannot fix this. The business of education would never allow someone like me to be a building school, a school building principal. The, the business of education doesn't even want me to have a license to teach school anymore. So think about that one. They don't even want people who know the truth to work within the business because, again, that disrupts their entire illusion. What other explanation is there? You heard me say in the last episode that not playing ball as far as these organizations, companies, certainly the field of education is concerned, that if you don't play ball, that means that you're telling the truth. If you don't play ball, that means you're not as dumb as the other people who work in the environment. 
You can't have someone who works in those environments who's smarter than other people, and you certainly can't have someone who is in charge, like a like a school building principal, or I should say, you know, the the perception of being in charge. You can't have that individual really saying what needs to be said and really doing what needs to be done in order to fix the real problems because the entire apparatus is set up to maintain the illusion. Teachers' unions, school boards, superintendents, HR departments, so on and so forth. It's like this in every corporation. Same thing. They, ha- they have to maintain the illusion, which is really the control over the people who attend. And if somebody shows up within that environment and attempts even in the slightest to try to convince people that they've been brainwashed, they're going to be shown the door as quickly as anybody. Which leads me to this. I have to read this to you. This was sent to me by a friend of mine who works in the local school district here in in this town where I live. And they sent me the professional development schedule for their school that apparently is supposed to take place on May 2nd. And I want to read this here because this right here is further proof that these individuals putting this together have no idea what is going on in the world. They have no idea that the very things that they perpetuate are the problem. They have no idea that these things that they are proposing within this very professional development, so they say, is why education is the butt of the joke. They aren't learning. The irony. I mean, the irony of people not learning in an education environment. And yet this right here is the professional development that they are offering. It's embarrassing. It's remarkably problematic, which again is why this business cannot be saved. It can't be renovated. You can't put new paint on the walls, nothing. It has to go. It has to go. It has to cease to exist. They start off the, the the school principal starts off the email by saying, "Good morning, family." I always I don't I don't know about any of you, but but I always hated that when when a boss or you know someone who is a, allegedly in charge of a particular area or a group or a manager or whoever it is in this particular case, of course, a principal of a high school starts off the word with the use uh, starts off the email rather with the use of the word family. It's the perception of everybody being on the same page. Reality couldn't be further from the truth. There's no way that everybody in this environment agrees with one another. That's impossible. But they do it because, again, they think as managers, and I don't know where they read this, that everybody in these environments all needs to be on the same page all of the time. Ladies and gentlemen, that's communism. That's communism. And when I worked in the school business, I did not consider those individuals family. I had acquaintances. I had a few friends, very few friends, just a couple of acquaintances outside of that, and then people I happened to work with, and then people I didn't like. That was basic, and people I stayed away from. That was basically sort of the order of operations there. But you've got to listen to this professional development because it's sad. And again, they're not learning. Huge mistakes are being made here, and they don't even know it. It says the following, Please complete the survey by the end of the workday on Thursday so that I can communicate with our speakers and plan for room locations for the afternoon that they're going to do this. It says, Here are the session summaries. 
the first one, Chat GPT are going to give a presentation about the AI systems. Now listen to this description. Dr. Heidi McKee from Miami University will be here to provide information about the use of artificial intelligence in academic settings. Participants will use the free version of ChatGPT to understand how LLMs work, discuss ways to AI-proof assignments, seek ways to integrate AI, and understand the implications for academic integrity. There will be time for discussion and working with the AI to see ways assignments and academic integrity policies might need to be adapted. And there are two sessions of that, each an hour long. So they're bringing in someone from the university level to talk about the problems with AI regarding assignments and plagiarism and all of that makes sense. But then there's a part of the assignment or a part of the professional development that seeks ways to integrate AI into the classroom. Which is it? Are you trying to eliminate it or are you trying to bring it in? It can't be both. So which is it? But we need a Miami University professor to explain this to everybody. It's outrageous. The next one, and you're going to like this. The next one is called Culturize. Using the book Culturize as a foundation, their principal will lead an, I'm sorry, an interactive discussion for participants. The goal of this session will be to improve student-adult relationships in the classroom and building-wide by engaging in key concepts from the book. And there are two sessions of that. Now, what is the book Culturize? As you might expect, too, this is probably one of those books that the district bought for all of their administrators and told all of their administrators to read. And then those administrators are forced to read it, create a lesson around it, or a professional development session around it, and then provide said professional development to the staff members who choose to receive it or don't choose to receive it, and it's just forced on them. You see, this is one of the sad parts also about American K-12 administrators, is they typically don't read on their own which means the books they do read are the ones that they're forced to read by the district. Do you think those books are going to be good books? Are they going to be books that tell the truth? Or are they going to be books that indoctrinate the ever-living hell out of them because that's the point? The book Culturize on Amazon here was written and published in November of 2017 by a Jimmy Cassis. It says the following. It's titled, actually, Culturize Every Student Every Day, Whatever It Takes. And it has the word culturize, which is not a real word, with all the rainbow colors plastered all over the front of the book. Because, ladies and gentlemen, everything has to be gay. Uh, honestly, we can't turn our heads without seeing rainbow colors on everything, can we? Okay. The description of the book on Amazon says the following. Eradicate average, it says. Culturize your school. 
Average schools don't inspire greatness. The greatness is what our world needs if we are if we are going to produce world-changing learners. In Culturize, author and education leader Jimmy Cassis shares insights into what it takes to cultivate a community of learners who embody the innately human traits our world desperately needs, such as kindness, honesty, and compassion. His stories reveal how these soft skills, quote-unquote, can be honed while meeting and exceeding academic standards of 21st century learning. I'm going to continue here for a second, but what Jimmy apparently doesn't understand is is that in uh, 2017, we were already 17 years into the 21st century, and here we are now 23 years into the 21st century, and these dopes continue to use that buzzword phrase in education. 21st century learning, 21st century standards, 21st century blah, blah, blah. It's awful. Just more indoctrination. They say it so often they don't even hear themselves. It continues, I digress. It says, you'll learn how to reach those who seem unreachable. What to do when students disengage or drop out of school how to ensure your learners feel cared for and empowered, and how to create an environment where all learners are challenged and inspired to be their best. Unquote. Now, the table of contents of this book. Chapter 1 is titled, Just Talk to Me. Chapter 2 is titled, Core Principle 1, Champion for Students. Chapter 3, Core Principle 2, Expect Excellence. Chapter 4, Carry the Banner. Chapter 5, Be a Merchant of Hope. And Chapter 6, It's Your Choice. I got to tell you, this is certainly one of those books that would find its way into a teacher education department and be used to indoctrinate the people who work within. Nothing here has anything to do, for example, with Charlotte Mason and her philosophies on not just homeschooling, but education. You'll never even hear Charlotte Mason's name in a professional development session in an American K-12 school. It'll never exist. You get these guys. You get these beta males writing these books, talking about how everybody's a leader. That's one of the subchapters here. Everyone's a leader. Great leaders inspire greatness. Go beyond technical excellence. Eyes on culture. The four core principles for positive school culture. Not everybody's a leader. It doesn't work that way. Not everybody's born to be one. Don't don't force the issue. That's the problem. It's communism. All of this is communism. Get a load of chapter three. Expect excellence is what it's titled. Core principle two, expect excellence. Leaders don't need a title. Leaders build capacity. Leaders do the simple things. Eyes on Culture by Jennifer McDaniel. Leaders aren't afraid to say no. Leaders don't say gotcha. Again, who is this book for? If you say no as an educator, you're gone. You're fired. Who is he talking to? Who is his audience? This is one you know this is one of those wolves in sheep's clothing thing too. This is being used 
to justify the stances that administrators take within school buildings. It's disgusting. So that's, 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 that's the culturized book session of their professional development. Here's the next one. Miami University, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. It says Dasha Wood will be on hand to offer classroom strategies, tools for your tool belt, quote unquote. I just threw up in my mouth reading that. Tools for your tool belt. For adults as they engage with diversity, equity, and inclusion at the high school level. This is designed to be a practical expansion of the concept shared last year. Oh, so you've done this before. Great. It must have been so effective they invited you back. Let's make everything gay. That'll improve, that'll improve the environment. How's that going so far? The next one, graduation requirements. The school counselors will review current graduation requirements for our students, including an explanation of strategies used to support students not meeting competency requirements. And there are two sessions of that. Then there's two more, ladies and gentlemen, and you can't make these up. These two are equally, if not more, hilarious. The second to last one is titled Trail Cleanup. It says this person's name, I'll leave their name out will lead a team into the trail behind the athletic facility for cleaning for, for clearing and cleanup. This may include branch removal. <laughs> what is happening? One of the professional developments is picking up trash and landscaping. This may include branch removal, etc. You can opt into the full two hours and work for an hour at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. only in order to attend a third session. Three session options, 1 p.m. only, 2 p.m. only, or 1 to 3 p.m. only. I don't know. Trash pickup. I, I gotta tell you, the landscaping and the trash pickup is a better professional development option than the previous ones, than all the previous ones. It's hilarious that they would even have that, but <laughs> okay, here's the last one. Can't make this one up either, and the timing couldn't be more perfect. Emergency response team, CPR training. That's right. Wonder why? Jab-related? A select group will be at... CPR training, it says, from 12 to 3 p.m. that afternoon. You've been notified about this already by the nurse. Please simply select the option on the form above to denote your planned attendance at the training. Unquote. That, ladies and gentlemen, is high school educator professional development on a scheduled semesterly professional development day. God help us all. Because if I worked there, which wouldn't happen, I would be cleaning up trash and sawing branches off of dead trees or dead branches off of still alive trees and picking up branches the whole flipping day or for at least the span of a couple of hours because you wouldn't catch me dead in any of the other ones. And this is another thing too. 
This has to be mentioned also because this is one of those strategies that gets used in the field of education to keep people informed about their options when it comes to professional development. And I've, I've found out apparently that the medical profession is very similar. If I'm wrong on this, please correct me. But if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, medical doctors also have to attend particular conferences and do particular things in order to maintain their medical license to, uh, to again, earn a certain amount of points in order to maintain their medical license. It's, it's of course, the exact same way in the education business. But in the education business, what they don't want to tell you is that you can attend conferences throughout the year anytime you want to solidify the amount of points that you need to maintain your licensure, that you don't actually have to attend or take the school building or the district's professional development. At the end of my career, that's what I was doing. I was not attending the district's professional development days. I was engaging in, I, I was the one giving the professional development by, by presenting at conferences. And I considered that to be my professional development points. And it was allowed. But the school district doesn't tell anybody that. School districts in America don't tell people that. Remember, like in the book Culturize, everybody can be a leader. But if you actually are a leader and you're doing your own thing, which is legal to do, contractually speaking, within school districts, well, they show you the door. Because as a school teacher, you can't possibly give the professional development. You need to be on the losing end of it. You need to be the one taking it. It's absurd. They don't, they don't tell the employees that. They don't tell employees that they can attend any conference they want, anywhere they want. It can even be a Zoom conference for a couple of hours, and that can, that can solidify enough points to help maintain a teacher certificate and, and the licensure for, for those individuals who work in that business. But they don't want people knowing that. Here's something else they don't want people knowing. Speaking of keeping things hidden from people, Cicely sent this my way. This is bouncing around Gab, and I'm glad she sent it my way. Uh, this is horrific and not an accident that this was published and not an accident that this is probably making the rounds within American K-12 school districts. This is a, I would categorize this, frankly, as a workbook slash pamphlet slash uh, propaganda piece, clearly, but it's put together by the Department of Health and Social Care, and it's titled, Someone Has Died Suddenly. Can't make it up. It says, For Children and Adults to Read Together. And on the cover is a white girl who is an apparent teenager hugging a black or mixed-race child who is younger as they both hug a bear at the exact same time. This is put together and produced by a group that is actually called Sudden, www.sudden.org. This is jacked up. Uh, and why now? Isn't that interesting? The timing, it's exquisite. There are no coincidences, ladies and gentlemen. They don't exist. The entire book, as you would expect, has to do with how to communicate with children when someone in their family dies. 
So here's a, a brief description on, on one of the front pages here. It says, this book is full of bright colors and pictures of Amy and Tom doing normal things like eating and playing. We've thought about what children do and what children want to look at. Before you begin reading this book with children, have ready a pen and a photo of the person or people who died and some sticky tape. Thank you for taking the time to use this book and help children. One of the first pages where somebody fills it out, it says a very special person or people have died suddenly. It is very, very sad. And then you write their names in, and then you paste their photo onto the piece of paper. It says, these are the names of some of the people who are very sad about it. And then they write it down. This book is designed to help you. Next page says, why did they die? People die when their bodies are too badly injured or too sick to work anymore. Sometimes people who are dead look like they're asleep, but sadly they're not. Dead people can never wake up. It actually says that. It says that. When someone dies, they stop breathing forever. Their brain stops thinking and their body stops moving. Well, thank God a book explained it. Because if a book didn't explain it, I wouldn't know what to say to anybody. Honestly, I don't believe it has happened. Sometimes it's hard to believe that someone is dead and you will never talk to them in the same way again. This is because it's a terrible shock. No one knew they were going to die suddenly. No one expected it to happen. Why died suddenly? As you heard me say in the past regarding all of the media headlines, why would they use that title? The next one says, the next page, this is just awful. The next page says, it's all about shock. Shock is the nasty feeling that we get from the first minutes, hours, and days when we are told some, something horrible. It says, being told that someone is dead is very, very horrible. So the shock can be really bad. And it, I don't know, provides suggestions on particular things to do. It's, the, the book is insane. It's 44 pages long. But this right here, not an accident, died suddenly, ladies and gentlemen. The workbook for all the school-aged children who are going to be experiencing copious amounts of loss within their own families and among their school teachers. We're not going to explain to anybody why that's the case, but it's just going to happen because, well, people dying suddenly who are perfectly healthy is a normal phenomenon. Whatever you do, don't look into the timing of the publication of the book, nor the application within the school environment, because we assure you, none of them are connected. It has nothing to do with the COVID shots. It has nothing to do with COVID. This is just the normalization of normal things that happen, and death is just one of those things that consistently happens on a constant basis. And watching your own classmates fall face first in gym class and clutch their chest because they're having a heart attack is completely normal. So, good thing for you, we will have that workbook on hand for everybody to fill out. Honestly, what is wrong with these people? They're the worst. This is not a business that can be fixed. They are too far gone. They believe too many things that are not real. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Okay. Jab-related things. I have two subjects very quickly. And then I'm going to wrap this up. 
Has anybody been paying attention to what's happening on cruise ships regarding the jabs? I have two quick stories. I heard one story from a family member from a friend of theirs, and they said that they were on a cruise. God knows why. I'm not a cruise guy. I've never been on one, but I I have no inclination to ever be on a cruise. They just don't seem like fun at all. I'd rather, I don't know, I'd rather go on an adventure some other place rather than, uh, you know, floating around with a bunch of strangers. It seems odd, but that's just me. Um, Anyway, apparently the cruise ship that the friend of the family member was on, uh, something like a quarter of them, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but you'll see where this is going. A quarter of them tested positive for COVID and some of them got sick. And then they had to quarantine those individuals in their own room on a cruise ship, and they weren't allowed to go. And they weren't allowed to go anywhere and weren't allowed to leave. They brought them food and drank inside of their room, but uh, they weren't allowed to, you know, do the things you do on cruise ships, apparently. Shortly after, approximately half of the cruise ship ended up getting sick, and then 75% of the cruise ship ended up getting sick, which means they were all quarantined, quote-unquote, or locked in their own cabins, not allowed to leave for the entire trip. It's a nightmare. It's basically just a prison boat. It just it turned, it turned into some vacation boat into a prison boat uh, in the blink of an eye. So that's a thing that's constantly happening on cruise ships. We, of course, know why. It's the jabbed, and they're shedding on everybody all of the time, and they have no idea. They'll just never figure this out, that electromagnetism is why people become ill, and of course, poisoning yourself. Uh, The next next cruise-related story um, happened off of the coast of Tahiti, if I'm not mistaken, a cruise line from Australia to Hawaii, and they were cruising as as they do on a cruise and apparently during one of the presentations that was taking place on the cruise ship uh one of the individuals in attendance fell over and dropped dead just like that probably jabbed and then um later on moments later apparently the partner of the person who fell dead jabbed in the middle of the presentation that was being given threw themselves off of the boat. So we had most likely a jab-related death and then a suicide shortly after. What a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. And I bring that up because there is a rather unfortunate aspect of all of this that is taking place, of course, which is when you have jabbed individuals who are related and one of them passes away seemingly from the jabs, whether the individual knows it or not, the grief that must be felt by the other individual in the, in the relationship or within the family can, of course, be unbearable. Apparently for this individual, to the point where they threw themselves off of the cruise ship and the Coast Guard was in the process of looking for them. Now, I've been on an airplane between Hawaii and Australia, and I can tell you there's nothing around. And I mean nothing. So there's a few things. Uh, you know, you see the occasional uh, mountain or island or what have you, but th- th- there really isn't a lot out there. So it's awful. I'm not trying to joke about it, but uh, that's, that's a thing. 
the cruise ship illnesses and apparently alleged suicides as a result is uh, is occurring. Here's the last thing I wanted to mention. This is from the WHO. This is another document that I came across the other day, and it's uh, the date of it is April 14th of this year, and it's titled Progress Reports, a report by the Director General. Um, there are a number of points here in the table of contents, and there's one that I want to specifically dive into because this is really the grand master plan when it comes to the medical profession and what they have lined up for all of us, allegedly. But let me read very quickly here through, the, uh, through their resolutions and through their table of contents of this particular progress report. It's letters A through P. Alphabetically. So here we go. It says strengthening local production of medicines and other health technologies to improve access. And then they passed some resolution. Health in the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Translation What to do to kill everybody off by 2030 and make that sustainable. Got it. We got it. Uh, the third point, global action on patient safety. That's funny. The next one, antimicrobial resistance. The next one, eradication of draconocilius. No way I got that right, whatever that is. The next one, the letter F, the world together. Establishment of an intergovernmental negotiating body to strengthen pandemic prevention preparedness and response. Translation, a one-world government so that everybody behaves exactly the same way. Everybody gets the same orders. Everybody does the same thing. The next one, smallpox eradication, destruction of Varolia virus stocks. Okay. Uh, letter H, it says the role of the health sector in the strategic approach to international chemicals management towards the 2020 goal and beyond. The next one, WHO Global Strategy on Health Environment and Climate Change, the transformation needed to improve lives and well-being sustainability through healthy environments. The next one, Decade of Healthy Aging, 2020 to 2030. Translation, we got to kill as many people as we can before 2030. The next one, uh, let's see, water, sanitation, and hygiene in healthcare facilities. The next one, prevention of deafness and hearing loss. Okay, seems kind of out of left field. Uh, letter M, plan of action on climate change and health in small island developing states. Translation. We're going to show up in small islands and try to jab as many people as we can and call it climate change and then kill all of them. Uh, letter N, the Global Action Plan on Public Health Response to Dementia. Weird. Letter O, and this is the one I'm going to read specifically, Global Strategy on Digital Health. And then finally, letter P, the 11th revisions of the international classification of diseases. Okay. Page 23 of this document is the global strategy on digital health. Here's what they say. Quote, 
Since the endorsement in 2020 of the Global Strategy on Digital Health, the Secretariat has launched several activities to meet the four strategic objectives set out therein, which are as follows. Promote global collaboration and advance the transfer of knowledge on digital health. Number two, advance the implementation of national digital health strategies. Number three, strengthen governance for digital health at global, regional, and national levels. And four, advocate for people-centered health systems that are enabled by digital health. It's a tracking system. It's a giant tracking system. We will give you particular things as long as you do what we, we tell you to do. And we can clearly see that on your digital medical footprint. That's where they're going with all of this. It continues here because they have, my God, more things that they are lining up. Uh, it says here, pursuant to the first objective, the Secretariat, together with development partners and sister United Nations agencies, has trained over 1,600 government officials from over 100 member states in digital health and artificial intelligence. In addition, over 10,000 health workers and policymakers from 171 countries have taken part in the WHO online course on ethics and governance of artificial intelligence for health, and five roundtables were convened to garner support among member states, civil society, and non-governmental organizations and the private sector for global coordination on digital health. Together with the Global Digital Health Partnership and other communities of practice, the Secretariat has supported government-to-government -government knowledge, sharing the collective learning in support of digital transformation. Good Lord. It says the ITU-WHO Focus Group on Artificial Intelligence for Health convenes over 100 stakeholders on a monthly basis to develop benchmarking on artificial intelligence for health. They're relying on their own pre-programmed computer system to provide you with the so-called solution to what ails you. This is why we have to leave this system. We have to leave it. We can't go to the hospital. We can't. <laughs> we have to avoid it at, at, at all cost because these people want us dead. And they want computers making the decisions for us, which means they're getting rid of nurses also. They have to. The nurses are just going to become administrators of artificial intelligence. It's kind of already that way. Doctors and nurses reading emails and then just doing what the emails say. It's kind of the same thing. The next one says the Secretariat has developed SMART, S-M-A-R-T, standards-based, standards medicine-readable, adaptive, requirements-based, and testable guidelines on the digital documentation of COVID-19 certificates, compromising recommendations on the data, digital functionality, ethics, and trust architecture, needed to ensure the interoperability of, in, of immunization and health records globally. 
They want to track everybody and how many jabs you've had. And if you don't play ball, well, you don't get the thing that cures you then. It also made available, it says, WHO, COVID-19, and other health recommendations through a living catalog uh, for clinical, public health, and health policy. The WHO Secretariat is implementing an end-to-end digital publishing and dissemination system to make all WHO normative and standard-setting guidance available in digital formats. Everything will be digitized. Everything. It just goes on and on and on. It's, uh, this particular section is at least two and a half, three pages. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But they're telling us exactly right here what they're agreeing to, what they want. I'll tell you what, I'm going to read the last two paragraphs of this because they're laying it out right here for their digital passport. It's right here. Section 139, it says, Further pursuant to the cross-cutting implementation objectives of the Global Strategy on Digital Health, the Secretariat has continued to improve the specification's interoperability, I got that right, architecture, and tooling surrounding the published set of digital documentation for COVID-19 certificates guidance documents. It says the Secretariat has successfully concluded a technical, a technical feasibility study for establishing a federated global trust network, which tested the ability to interoperate the health content and trust networks across existing regional efforts. For example, the European Union Digital COVID Certificate, the International Civil Aviation Organization, Health Master List, the Digital Infrastructure for Verifiable Open Credentialing, the LACPASS or LACPASS, and Smart Health Cards. Using open standards and open source software compliant with WHO digital documentation of COVID 19 certificates guidance. Based on the foregoing, WHO is planning to establish and, and serve as a trust anchor for a voluntary trust network for a public key infrastructure which is intended to enable member states to continue to bilaterally ensure the veracity of COVID-19 certificates. Yikes. This is what they want. This is where they're going. I'm telling you, these people cannot be reasoned with. They can't be bought off. Uh, they, they can't be convinced otherwise. People like this have to be destroyed. It wraps up, and it says the following, quote, Between 2023 and 2025, the Secretariat will strengthen mechanisms for coordinated action and work to document process, progress rather, on the actions set out in the global strategy, prioritizing member state needs. It will refocus on strengthening regional and country capacity for digital health, artificial intelligence, and innovation by developing normative products, governance and policy guidance, tools and resources, collaboration, 
and competency-based training, and by curating digital public goods including reference technologies, policies, and global trust architectures. I wonder what that means, global trust architectures. Does that mean quarantine camps? Last sentence, it says the Secretariat will strengthen its internal system for the living and smart approaches, S-M-A-R-T, to ensure the new clinical guidance recommendations are up to date and that implementation is optimized to improve impact at country level, unquote. They want us dead. There's no way around it. They want us controlled and controlled and controlled and then dead. And they're telling us right here, they want a global digital health passport. That you can't go from point A to point B without having a medical digital passport, whether it be on a card or something else, but in their database. And that all of your information is shared among all of them. I mean, this kind of stuff is already happening, of course, in China. That if you're not compliant or the government doesn't like you or you've criticized the government, well, then you can't, you can't walk through the turnstile. You can't take your automobile from point A to point B or your bicycle from point A to point B. This is what the WHO is working on, and they're doing it with health. Again, if you're a healthy human being who never goes to a doctor or a hospital, this still applies to you. Because as we know, and as I've read on the show, they're tracking the unjabbed. They know where we are. They know who we are. They know who's jabbed and unjabbed. And they're taking all of that information and they're studying it in an effort to control us. So they think. All it would take, ladies and gentlemen, is one bomb. That's it. One one throw, you know, one one quick flyover from a military aircraft when all these WHO people are meeting together to kill the rest of us and you know, all our problems are solved. All this goes away. It's unbelievable. But they're telling us and it's right here in this document. So I'm going to put that document again at the bottom of the growing list of the government documents section that is ongoing there on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com. Check that out. And by the way, good news. Remember in the past when I was talking about how I lost all those jab articles and those mask-related articles? Joke's on me. Uh, Not only did I find it, but it was on the website the whole time. So I found it, and I just moved it. Now it is under the medical documents section. And if memory serves, it's the second link that you can click on. So there's two sections where it'll say click here. And if you just read the description above it, right at the very top of the medical documents section, you'll see the, the, the two PDFs that exist. One of them is sort of the ongoing list that I'm building that, uh, that, that includes articles from the show that I've read recently. And then the second document is a bunch of the older stuff certainly from 2021, and uh, I think some of them are from 2022 as well. But this WHO updated document here regarding their digital passports and digital medical control of everybody will be under the government documents tab. 
With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I know there's lots of shows you can listen to. I know there are lots of shows out there you are listening to, but I appreciate your attention on this. I'm trying to bring you some of the more updated stuff on a constant basis as best I can. And there you have it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I just keep trying. But we're at war. And that's what we got to do. We got to keep trying. So with that said, I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.